Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Welcome to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works with David and Mark. Today we're talking with Judah Gabriel Amango. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. How are you, David? I'm doing pretty good. You're based out of uh, Minnesota, right? I was. About a year and a half ago or so, I moved out to Washington State on the West Coast. So okay. I'm near Seattle now. Gotcha. What's your background with uh, Messianic Jewish community? So my parents have been in the Messianic movement for all of my life. Uh, and so I grew up as a Messianic believer. My mom and dad led music at, gosh, a dozen different congregations over the years and um, really got me into Messianic music, uh, me and my siblings. I can remember my parents taking us to uh, Marty Getz concerts and Jill Chernoff concerts and just playing, <laughs> I'm going to age myself here, playing uh, cassette tapes of old Israel's Hope and, and Lamb music. Uh, so I grew up in that, and um, so music was a pretty big part of my life, I suppose. When I got married, I learned guitar and started playing a lot of Messianic music stuff that I grew up with. Ended up leading music at a congregation for the last 10 years uh, and helping pastor that congregation tiny little messianic congregation in Minnesota called Tabernacle of David. Yeah, so music was a big part there. And during that time, I've been a software developer professionally. So like all the music stuff is kind of side things, but I thought it would be cool if I could uh, use my software skills and kind of merge that with my love of messianic music. I created two things, uh, messianic radio, as well as messianicchords.com, which is like um, guitar chord sheets for messianic Jewish music. So yeah, those are two of my my passions there coming through. I, I wouldn't say that cassettes are would date you that much more than <laughs> than me. I, I was okay, okay. I was right on the, the CD mm. edge. Like I would have a cassette player in the in the car. Okay. It's funny. I think people today are so uh, they don't realize how good they have it. You know, it's like with digital music. Oh, we just find an MP3. Bam, I have it. But yeah, in the old days, it wasn't so. <laughs> Either you had to find CDs or or cassette tapes. Quality wasn't always there, especially for cassettes. So, what was your interest in starting the radio station? The the big um, impetus for me was uh, I was a fan of Pandora.com. Pandora, like it, it's kind of a maybe a different kind of radio station, a radio station where you can thumb up and down music, um, which influence what gets played for you. Um, so a little different than traditional AM, FM radio. I really like that. And um, I loved Pandora. And I thought, you know, we need something like this for Messianic Jewish music because Messianic Jewish music first wasn't on the streaming stations when I built it. I actually built it about 10 years ago and I've just iterated on it, improved it over the years. Um, but there wasn't much Messianic Jewish music out there on things like, um, you know, Apple Music, I don't think even existed when I created Messianic Radio. And so I thought, hey, let's build something that is like Pandora. I wanted to preserve a lot of the Messianic Jewish music. I think we have a great heritage, man. Um, you know, I, I think um, folks like Stuart Dowerman, Joel Chernoff, um, 
Paul Wilbur and Israel's Hope. Um, we've liberated Wailing Wall. We've had, we have a lot of great music that I think was, I don't know, disappearing a little bit in the digital age. And I thought, hey, this might be a way to preserve that and amplify it to a new audience. There's something new that we can do now that the internet is here and we have fast internet connections. And then also let's, let's amplify Messianic Jewish music, even the old, old stuff, the old stuff from the 70s and 80s to a modern audience. It's been a blessing, you know, it just keeps growing every year. I'm, I'm always amazed by how many people listen. So it's, it's been good. A lot of that old stuff, heard the songs live in different versions. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the original recordings, I haven't heard that much. It's unique to have them pop up. And of course, you yeah. have several generations of songs adapted as part of their sound. Some of the old stuff is, is really inaccessible. I, I like to brag a little bit about Hava. We have new stuff, of course, including things from yourself. Um, we also have old, old stuff that is only available on, um, on records. <laughs> and maybe some people listening won't even know what a record is. Um, yeah, where we actually took records um, of very old music. Um, I'm thinking of like groups like Kol Simcha, and they just have records. It's not available digitally. It's not on CD, not even on cassette. We um, used services to transfer those records to digital and get them on the station. So there's truly some rare Messianic Jewish music on Hava. I can say quite confidently, you will not hear anywhere else because we were the ones who actually move them to digital. You've also adapted the formats over the years. Um, so yeah. it, was a, it was a website and now it's also, I mean, mobile and then apps. The first iteration, again, 10 years ago, the internet looked very different. There was things like Flash and Silverlight and Java. At the time, I thought, you know what, this is the right technology because my website is really more like an app than anything. It's not a website per se where it's links to, to documents, which is, I think, kind of how the internet was intended to be. And so initially I built it using some really old technology that's obsolete today. Shortly after I built it, we saw the mobile explosion where suddenly everybody had a mobile phone and was running apps. And some of that old technology that I was using uh, plug-in, web browser plug-in technology to power the site didn't work on mobile. And so that was like the first big rewrite. I was like, okay, I have to like scrap everything on the front end and um, and build it from scratch. Uh, and so I did, I built it at the time was new HTML5, all this new technology at the time is a big thing. And it worked on mobile, except it kind of didn't. What I mean by that is the mobile browsers could play the music, but had other problems. I think the mobile browsers had very primitive support for some of the new capabilities of the web, including streaming music. And so it worked on mobile in the browser, but there were some caveats and some gotchas and it didn't work perfectly. And so, um, yeah, a few years ago, I wrote, I wrote uh, apps for iOS, for Android and Windows. It was a big deal. Um, I got a lot of new users out of that. I ended up writing a tech article about my experience publishing to all those app stores. That tech article I wrote ended up getting some big press that ended up getting me a job some years down the line. At least on, on my end, the tech stuff is, is above my head a, a little. Gotcha. How do you get um, new artists for it? Are the artists caring from other viewers? Are you reaching out to different artists? A combination of things. Um, 
any artists that we play on the station, we get their permission to play first. We also do pay for uh, royalty fees to the copyright holders like ASCAP and others. But yeah, we always talk to the artists first and say, hey, are you cool with us playing your music? That's been interesting too, David. Uh, a few different, even non-Messianic artists we have on the station that I think Jewish folks would be quite familiar with. Uh, Neshama Karlbach spoke with her and said, hey, you have some really cool music. I think it would be, I think our audience would appreciate it. And I, I explained, hey, we're messianic, we're believers in Jesus, but we'd still like to play your music. She was like, wow, this is awesome. Yes, please. Um, so that was cool. Moshav band, same thing, you know, talk to them. Um, and they, they were super open to the idea and uh, then said, yes, please play our music. So we also have uh, non-messianic music. That I think is a fit, you know, if it's about the scriptures, um, it's, it's our heritage too. With regards to how do artists get on? Usually people will contact me. Um, the artists themselves often do, especially smaller ones like, hey, I'm trying to get my band off the ground. I want some visibility to my music. Would you play our music? That's pretty common. I also get uh, people will, will come to me and say, just listeners will come to me and be like, hey, I really like band X and can we play their music? And I always say, okay, you know, the first step is getting their permission. And so sometimes myself will reach out or the person who wants them on the station will reach out and put us in contact. And then we start a dialogue from there. So um, it's a pretty easy process though. If like, if there's um, musicians watching this and they want to want their music played on Hava Messianic Radio, um, yeah, just reaching out to us uh, over email is, is a good start. Uh, and, and from there, you know, we can have your music on the station within a few days. Where are your listeners? Uh, do you have uh, a lot of listeners in Israel? We do have some listeners in Israel. Primarily, it's the United States. That might be a reflection of a lot of the messianic mu uh, music that I grew up with and that like kind of seeded the station with messianic artists in the United States. I'm thinking of folks like Joel Chernoff from Lamb, Paul Wilbur from Israel's Hope, Mark Chapinski and others. But the last time I looked, folks in Israel, South America, all over the place, Canada, of course. I discovered a couple um, Israeli artists uh, through your, that you have the blog where you're posting new releases and that's a good way to keep track of it blog.messianicradio.com. Yeah, we do all of our announcements there. So anytime we uh, post new music or do updates to the station. One other thing we do there is we have a monthly, uh, it's not quite royalties, I guess, but we do a monthly distribution of, of money to the artists on the station. It seemed real generous, including putting your own money in the supporting the artists without, and there's no royal. And there's no ad revenue that's coming in, for example. It's, it's money yeah. from you and from other believers. It's, it's a cool thing. So this started just last year, so it's pretty new. Uh, but I call it Messiah's Music Fund. And the idea was, could we give money to artists uh, that play on the station? My first thought was like, how are we going to fund this? Because I, I don't do advertising. There's no ads on the sites. I don't make money on the site. <laughs> I lose money because I'm hosting it. You know, It's all good. I mean, it's a service to God. So I'm glad to do that. How could we um, support the artists, especially during COVID, man? You know, it's like uh, a lot of artists uh, weren't able to tour different congregations for a while, um, couldn't travel with all the restrictions and everything. It was a difficult time for a lot of artists. 
obviously we don't have a ton of money, but maybe we could help a little bit on a monthly basis. And so what we did, we opened up a Patreon called Messiah's Music Fund. I said, hey, I'm going to give like $100 a month to this thing. And I would be so glad if the listeners on the station gave as well. And then every month we distribute those funds to the artists on, on the station. So it started off really small. You know, I think the first month we had maybe 200 or $300 or something. There wasn't a whole lot. And if you spread 200 $300 across many, many artists, there's lots of artists on the station. So I think the top payout we had that month per artist was like, is $20 to one particular artist, which is not much. That said, it's grown. On average, we're averaging like seven to $800 a month. Uh, we've had some big months too, like end of the year tends to be larger. Um, I think our largest month, we had um, something like $1,800 worth in monthly donations. So each month, what we do is we take that and then we distribute it to the artist based on how many times their song plays. So if you have lots of songs playing on Hava, um, then you get the lion's share of that money. And then artists that have just very, very few plays, they, they still get some distribution, but it's not as much. I think it's a blessing to artists in a tangible way every month, even if it's a small amount. Look, I'm not saying we're, we're paying their salaries. If we could get um, a bunch of artists getting 20, 30, 40, $50 a month from the station, I think that's just a blessing. And so I really got to credit our listeners. They've, they've really chipped in and um, it just seems to be growing. Yeah, I think it actually pays quite well compared to ad-based uh, radio options. Yeah, I understand like um, Spotify and some others, you know, give like fractions of a penny per play or things like that. <laughs> um, so it's not a whole lot of money. So maybe we're doing better than even that, but I want it, I want it bigger, man. I, I want to keep growing that so that it's, it becomes a significant um, means of support on a monthly basis to, to the artists on our station. So that's the plan. I, I hope to achieve it. Uh, what would you say is the, the major goal of the station is mm-hmm. supporting artists, uh, you know, financially, it could also be connecting believers to new sources of music as an outreach tool. I think the primary purpose is to amplify messianic music uh, to, to this generation. Maybe on a broader picture, just amplify the scripture. So many of the songs that we have on our station, and I would say this is generally true of messianic music, perhaps more so than even just mainstream Christian music, really, really based in scripture. We have artists on the station that play just the Psalms, for example, where it's just like, hey, they're just going right, you know, the raw, raw Psalms, nothing added or subtracted. Um, So it's very biblical music. So maybe one big goal is just to amplify the scripture. Um, It's a good, it's a good thing. It's a holy thing. It's the word of God. Um, So putting that out there to a modern audience where it's very easily accessible. It's in the app stores, it's on the web to this generation is, is a good thing. Messianic music, just amplifying messianic music, especially it, that's the issue that I think I founded it with that in mind. I remember I was at a, uh, my, my local congregation and a woman came up to me and said, Oh, you're playing these songs at our congregation. I've never heard them before. Where did you hear these? You know, it's Joel Chernoff and lamb music and, and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you should know that. Um, but then I realized that's most people, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it was a very niche thing. And it's a very small thing. And so my thought was, let's amplify it. We have a great heritage in Messianic Jewish music. I think in the, 
last year with Masai's Music Fund, it's it's taken on a secondary goal, which is to support the artists. I do want that to be a real thing. I think artists are in a tough spot financially. It's like, oh, you invest all this money into music equipment and recording studios, and that costs a ton of money. And then where are you getting it back? In the age of digital, you're not making much money off of streaming services. So I would like to give back. Um, and we, we're just starting to accomplish that. Like I said, we're just scratching the surface right now. So yeah, that's that's purpose number two. Yep. What would you say makes a successful song in general or mm-hmm. you know, a successful song that goes on the station? And has there been any big surprises? For success on our station, it has to fit a genre. One thing I have seen is we've had lots of people submit um, messianic hip hop, which is really niche. You yourself, you've been in, in kind of the hard rock genre, also niche at least with regards to the messianic movements, very, very niche. And so some people are like, oh, you know, that's just not for me. That's not what I expect. So it's difficult for such artists to to really get traction because I think a lot of our listeners are just expecting a certain kind of, maybe a a certain kind of worship music. Uh, That's all to say there's there's a caveat here, which is I'm a little biased because that's just what our audience prefers. You know, on, on Hava, you can thumb up and thumb down songs and, and the thumbed up ones get played more often. And so things that are outside of a particular gate, I guess, something that's a little even more niche sometimes doesn't uh, get upvoted well on our station. I would say songs that are professionally done, it's, it's good technically. We have a lot of amateurs submit their music to our station and if it comes across and sounds amateur even if even if the lyrics are good it's difficult for people to worship with them and so such things don't do well so it has to be um have a professional quality to it i think there's a level of quality that needs to be attained at once you reach that though which i would say a vast majority of artists do once you reach that level of quality then there's something to be said for the content Songs that are are closer to the Bible, closer to the metal, so to speak, tend to do better than, say, higher level storytelling type songs I've seen. Um, We've certainly had artists that that is their genre. They're kind of telling stories through their music. Um, And I've seen on, on Messianic Radio, again, just speaking about my audience, maybe it works in a different setting, but from my audience, those those don't tend to work as well as songs that are closer to the metal, meaning um, just reflective of the scriptures. We've seen a a great uptick, kind of this this Eastern sound as well. Like if I go back to like the 80s and the 70s and some of the Messianic Jewish pioneers, there's different kinds of sound, but most of it wasn't um, that Middle Eastern sound. And I've noticed now we're seeing more and more artists get that Eastern sound. <laughs> and usually through Eastern instruments, the ode and, and different um, new instruments that I should say new, but that are new to a Western audience. Um, groups like Makedem, for example, um, I think really push that sound and, and it resonates with a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm seeing more of that too. Like people want that Israeli sound. I think there's something for the Western audience. They're like, oh, you know what? This is this is so different um, than what we're used to. And it's beautiful. Um, and I think part of, of course, the Messianic movement is kind of getting back to 
um, that core foundation of the centrality of, of Israel and the Jewish people and the plans and uh, of God with, with regards to salvation. And so I think there's also a kind of a return from a music perspective to let's get back to let's get back to the sound of Israel. What does that sound like? Um, so yeah, there's I see a lot of success there too. What do you think about pop? You know, that doesn't really fit in the either the kind of the classic guitar-based songs yeah. or with the, you know, as you're saying, the Eastern sounds, but it seems like there's mm -hmm. some of the top artists kind of have the- um, Have a pop sound to them. Um, certainly some do. Even some of Joshua Aaron's stuff have a pop sound to them. Um, Sharon Wilbur, Shay Wilbur, even some of the stuff she's done with her dad, Paul Wilbur, has a pop sound to it. Becca Shea is another one that's, I would say, kind of mainstream Christian, but performs at a lot of messianic uh, conferences. Her music is very pop sounding. Some people love it and some people hate it. It's a split. It really is. Um, some people are like, hey, our music should not sound like the world. And I understand that. I understand people coming from that perspective. Our music should, should sound different than what you hear on, on your local pop radio station, FM radio station. Um, some even go further and say our music should sound different than the Christian world's music, which often sounds very pop-ish. Um, so I understand that. Um, that said, my view has, has become a little more um, big tent, meaning if it glorifies God, I'm not going to be super judgmental about it. I can say, hey, my preference is X, whatever. But I'm not going to be like, this doesn't belong in the movement. I've seen too much gatekeeping in that regard. And I, I feel like the messianic movement needs to do better with regards to being a big tent. So I'm, I'm welcoming of that stuff. To your question of, is, that, is, is pop successful? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the idea with pop, popular music. It has um, a, a, a wide um, acceptance by a lot of different groups. We have some young artists on the station, too, that have contributed music that's very pop sounding um, that resonates with them and that's okay I don't think messianic music has to sound one way I've actually been pushing for like it's okay to have messianic hip-hop it really is I know that's like crazy to something it's okay to have even messianic music that has that harder edge I think that's okay even though it's outside of a lot of people's comfort zone and think how could that be messianic music no 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 if it glorifies God um, I think it has a place um, and so I'm really tolerant in this regard to the, to the style, um, but to be sure some people really like it, some people really dislike it. There's even like, you know, you could say a genre of messianic worship, even though those words don't necessarily mean that, you know, it should be one sound. Uh, absolutely, man. I, I really, really think that. And I've, I've seen this more and more lately. And if you go back to even the 90s, you had maybe some exploration in different sound. I think 1990, Lamb published an album called Seer, which was more edgier, even had a, a bit of a rock feel, um, some prominent metal guitar in some of their songs, kind of pushed the genre a little bit. Uh, we saw it even in other directions. Barry and Batya Siegel, um, I think in the 90s, published an album, Jerusalem, The Final Frontier, which had a very country sound to it. <laughs> There's not that one genre of messianic music. I think it, it's, it's a big, it, and it needs to be, it's a big tent. You've uh, co-hosted a messianic podcast also. 
I have, yeah. Although we've we've kind of been on pause for a few months. I, I co-host a, a messianic podcast called The Messianic Walk, where we're just dealing with things in the messianic movement, um, kind of day-to-day things, some some challenges that arise in our movement and where the movement is headed, vision for for the messianic movement, everything from what is the primary goal of the messianic movement, um, challenges with all the craziness that has arisen sometimes through the Hebrew roots sub-movement, things flat earth or just wild, crazy stuff out there, conspiracy theories and others. So we've we've addressed a lot of these issues. My co-host is a guy named John McKee, who I consider a messianic scholar. He is a, uh, a theologically trained gentleman I've known for, gosh, I don't know, close to 20 years. And he has a ministry called Messianic Apologetics. And um, he's written a great, he's written numerous books um, on messianic theology and the messianic movement. If any of the listeners want to check that out, it's messianicwalk.com and you can see our episodes from there. So I think the last one we did there was looks like the baby boomers messianic movement and how that might differ from today's messianic movement. I heard that there were flat earthers in the messianic movement. I guess I just haven't talked to the wrong people. (laughs) Definitely in in the messianic movement, I run into all sorts of people and and people Mm -hmm. have different views. We do have a mix in the messianic movement. Um, It seems to me that some groups skew left and others right. Um, Certainly, I know a lot of folks in the UMJC, the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations, that are left-leaning, including some of the uh, early pioneers of Messianic Judaism. Uh, Rabbi Stuart Dowerman is one. I know he's he's left-leaning, and I know many of the, the leadership in the UMJC is left-leaning. On the other hand, there's folks like Dan Juster, and I see him on Facebook often. He's the founder, or one of the founders of the UMJC, and I some of the things he says makes me think, oh, this guy's, he's on the right. So there is a, <laughs> there is a mix. And again, I think the messianic movement has, is, there's room for all of us, truly. We need to be a bigger tent than we currently are. Yeah, I think, I think it was on your blog that there can be a lot of political views within uh, the messianic movement. But yeah, though, I like seeing messianic podcasts that are, are different than just um, sermon recordings. It is. And I, I think there's a need to discuss some of these things outside of a congregation. I helped run a congregation for 10 years, I mentioned earlier, and I saw a lot of challenges, you know, lots of good, lots of good fruit from the Lord, but also a lot of challenges. Um, Some things I wouldn't raise in a congregational setting, because it would just be too divisive, and it would be too painful to to work with, and it's just not the right place. So I think there, there really is a place for, where do you have discussion about things that maybe aren't addressed from from the pulpit. Blogs are another one, man. I've been blogging and writing for, gosh, a really long time now, almost 20 years. That's been kind of my outlet for getting my thinking ordered, I guess you could say. And oftentimes when you put stuff out there on the internet, you get ripped. Of course, like you're saying, all the horrible people on Twitter, that also is kind of a corrective measure. If you have really bad ideas, maybe you're going to get a lot of pushback from people too. It smooths out some of your rough edges. I really like blogging and and podcasts it's a lot of fun that's why i agreed to come on here man i I thought it would be it'd be fun to talk about the messianic movement and and messianic music with you yeah curious you hadn't been to amf had you this is the Asheville music festival yeah yeah. 
I haven't been to that one, but I helped start another messianic music festival um, that I'm a part of now uh, called Proclaim Hebraic Music Fest in Iowa. Are they yeah, still I, going or no? No, it was a, it only happened once. I performed in there like as with mm -hmm. the Republic, the, the harder rock. Ah, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're ever interested in playing at another messianic music festival, uh, check out proclaim hebraic music fest i help run that one we've been going for four years now it's okay. in a tiny little town in iowa basically they hold it out at this farm it's a lot of fun people are camping there like you said with with amf a broad range to a broad range of artists uh yeah so you should should look that up i did volunteer once at uh, cornerstone uh, christian festival which is oh. southwest Illinois. Okay. Close mm -hmm. to Iowa. I was just yeah. thinking that in the middle yeah. of farmland. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. I lived in Illinois for a time too in Naperville. And uh, yeah, so I definitely know, yeah, the farmlands of Illinois. We usually bring in a few bigger name artists and then have lots of smaller independent artists. Um, usually like, I don't know, two or three big name artists. And I suspect that's where a lot of our cost goes to bring them in i think with some of the smaller independent artists we d we may not pay for their um hotel stay or things like that and so there is a kind of a goodwill of the artists to come to the come to the festival even if they lose some money on on travel um yeah then we hope they make that that money up uh with the marketplace so i guess it's a multifaceted thing so far, it's been working. You know, we've been going for four years and um, we had our biggest event um, in June. Um, so we're looking forward to next year's. So again, it's uh, MessianicRadio.com. Uh, yeah. Messianic Radio on the apps, I guess, if that's... Yeah. If you look for Messianic Radio, you should find it. The full name is Chava. It's right. spelled C-H in the beginning, Chava Messianic Radio. But yeah, if you search in any of the app stores for for messianic radio you should find us and um yeah give it a give it a try it's like i said it's free um there's no ads it's it's just the music of of believers um many jewish believers um it's beautiful stuff you know like i said it's it's our heritage and so i'm i'm, I'm glad to amplify it and i hope folks listening will will enjoy for any musicians messianic musicians listening would love to point to my other site, Messianic Chords, chords like guitar chord, messianicchords.com. I have a thousand plus chord sheets, um, as well as like piano sheet music for mostly Messianic Jewish music, some Christian music as well. Um, but same thing there, no ads, really easy to use in all the app stores. So pretty pleased about that as well. Thank you for listening to the Messianic Media Podcast, a discussion of Messianic, Christian, and secular artistic works.